State of the Empire is presented by the Nerdy Show Podcast Network. Geeky programming for all nerds across the multiverse. And is brought to you in part by Consequence of Sound, the web's foremost source of music and film news, reviews, and insights. All Nerdy Show programming is made possible by A Comic Shop, Orlando's number one comic shop and nerd destination, and with the generous support of listeners like you. To learn how you can support this and other fine geek programming, visit nerdyshow.com. Welcome to State of the Empire, Nerdy Show's Star Wars speculation podcast, where we look for news in Alderaan places. Hi, I'm Cap. Hey, I'm Doug. Hey, I'm Matt. It's been a while since we've done a show. We have way too much news to cover, so we're going to be tackling all of it. And uh, hey, if this is your first time, don't fret. We keep all our spoilers safely behind the blast doors. In this episode, we're going to be talking about all the latest news about Episode Eight, The Last Jedi, everything we've learned since Star Wars Celebration. We've got some uh, some new information on the Han Solo solo film. What, what the hell? What the hell is this? A message from Lucasfilm regarding the untitled Han Solo film. The untitled Han Solo film will move forward with a directorial change. A message from Kathleen Kennedy, president of Lucasfilm. <clears throat> and I quote, Phil Lord and Chris Miller are talented filmmakers who have assembled an incredible cast and crew, but it's become clear that we have different creative visions for this film, and we've decided to part ways. At Lucasfilm, we believe the highest goal of each film is to delight carrying forward the spirit of the saga that George Lucas began 40 years ago. With that in mind, we're thrilled to announce that Ron Howard will step in to direct the untitled Han Solo film. We have a wonderful script, an incredible cast and crew, and the absolute commitment to make a great movie. On the topic of their departure, a message from Phil Lord and Christopher Miller. Message? What message? Oh, unfortunately, our vision and process weren't aligned with our partners on this project. We normally aren't fans of the phrase creative differences, but for once this cliché is true. We are really proud of the amazing and world-class work of our cast and crew. The untitled Han Solo film remains scheduled for a May 2018 release. You're playing the wrong message, R2. (laughs) (laughs) What a weird goddamn week we have had. We were already planning on doing a State of the Empire recording, but uh, then this happened. And... uh, Jeez. <laughs> as soon as it happened, Mike Rothman, editor-in-chief of Consequences Sound, said, hey, uh, so you, you want to do an op-ed about this? And we'd already been talking amongst ourselves, the State of the Empire crew, so I just uh, sourced all of our various conversations and turned it into an article, and we're going to discuss this whole mess. in Because uh, at the time, we didn't have that information about Ron Howard directing the film, and Lord Miller getting booted off the project is... Man, it's a smoking gun. Yeah, I... I'm still kind of reeling from it because, like, all right, here's the thing. I, like you, Cap, didn't really want oh, a Han Solo. I, I like you too, Doug. No, <laughs> I, like you, Cap, uh, I, I, did not. Doug, I like yeah, you as well. I, I, like, I like Cap too. Uh, I, I, I agreed with your sentiment that a Han Solo film was overall unnecessary, and uh, I, I didn't really want one. Uh, but when Lord and Miller were announced to be working on it, I was like, oh, well, this you know, I mean, you can go back and listen to another State of the Empire. You can hear my reaction. But I think overall, the, the way it, I came around to the idea of like, hey, you know what? Maybe this is them doing something new. Maybe it'll be funny. You know, maybe it'll be, you know, a, a good adventure. Every Everything that they've ever been picked to work on should never have worked. Like, should never have been a success. Lego movie? 
what? Like, I remember you, 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 there's recordings of us reacting to the Lego movie trailer when we first heard about it. Like, oh gosh, a Lego movie? Then we watched the trailer and we go, wow, that, that, that looks like a lot of fun. And same for 21 Jump Street, where it's just like, oh, it's just another, you know, reboot, comedic reboot of, of, of a TV show from the 80s, you know, that, you know, they're going to do whatever. But now it's like it's its own thing. And it might even get a tie in with freaking Men in Black. So I don't know. They have a strange track record, but that gave me hope. And now it's like, how yeah, Matt, you, Matt, if, how many how many weeks out are they from finishing this film sh- shooting the Han Solo supposedly movie? three weeks and they pull the plug now something's weird yeah, th- I mean that's that was the thing this isn't just uh this isn't like Josh Trank being fired from Boba Fett before they announced Boba Fett right like that was that hey we we're gonna ha- we got Josh Trank working on an anthology film we're gonna announce it at celebration they didn't announce it no no big deal and that was for the better because uh Trank's rep is pretty spotty, and uh, and things things went down with Fantastic Four that seemed like that was a you know a good move for them. And wh- and whether he you know d- deserved it or not, they did it before even announcing what film he would work on. They did it before uh you know shoot probably even before they finished writing the darn thing, and yeah. definitely before they started shooting. So when you're this late in the game, yeah, th- three weeks left of, of principal photography, like that's that's absurd. I've never heard of this happening before. No, I really, I've, I've been struggling to think up other similar situations like this. Every, everyone points to, in fact, if it did happen before, it was never public. It was not a matter of public, like you know, that you find out about it like years later. Oh yeah, we, uh, you know, so and so quit the the picture, and uh, we we had a you know we we had a guy sub in you know under the. Uh, Pseudonym we, or something. Yeah, we, we, we made sure the guild didn't know about it and, you know, moved Maybe. on. The revelation that they were fired, which is like, basically, they couldn't reconcile any sort of differences. Like, that's that's the crazy part to me. It's like, it wasn't even like, let's get through the last three weeks. It's like, we got to get them out now. Yeah. Because why not just wait three more weeks and then say, all right, we're going to bring on someone like like Rogue One. Uh, you know, Rogue right. One, it was like, well, the they, they finished shooting most of it. We already know we're going to take it into a different direction. Let's bring on extra people to help. But the fact that they're not even trying to bring in people to help, they're straight up replacing them. I just, I mean, I'm not even, I sound like I'm really upset. I'm just very confused. And I worry about the future of Star Wars films if, well, you know. We've been suspicious about the weird shit. That's been going on. How J.J. Abrams, uh, you know, initially publicly said, "I'm not going to do Star Wars, guys." It's yeah, not like he for me. turned it down. Yeah, and then they somehow convinced him to do it. And Michael Arndt was announced as a screenwriter, and then they got rid of him. And but all before it started shooting, though. Yes, you know, I mean, yep. it was strange. Yeah. but you know, it's they're, and, they're making a movie. And then the Trank thing, and then everything surrounding Rogue One. But this is like it's escalating, right? It's right. it starts light. All it's that weirder and weirder. Yeah, and then to the point of like this is. I mean, this is an actual catastrophe. Like. For the for the for the sake of this film, like this is a absolute catastrophe, and I am shocked that Ron Howard, of all people, like a seasoned director, not someone who they could, you know, convince, you know, from the out. Like, not, I mean, he's got better things to do than clean up someone else's mess. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I, I mean his his movies nowadays, unless he's doing one of the you know the Dan Brown novel movies, like you know he's aiming for like critically acclaimed movies like they're not always some of them kind of bomb as far as critic reviews but like that's where he's at in his career and he's t- like it's weird that he's you know coming in as the replacement and and the timeline for this has been nuts because according to some some information that's sort of late breaking they were fired on monday so they were fired on monday june 19th we found out about it on tuesday and we're recording on thursday 
So this has all happened very quickly, including hiring Ron Howard. Um, I, I can't think of a similar thing like this happening with the exception of Richard Donner on Superman 2. That's a good one. That's a good comparison, yes. Because yeah, he, he was fired halfway through that movie, but that was only like... I mean, they even shot they shot a good portion of Superman 2 because they're doing Superman 1 and 2 at the same time. He shot a good portion of it, so much so that the guy they got to replace Richard Donner reshot sequences just so they could take Richard Donner's name off the film. Which they hypothetically will not be well actually will not be able to do with this unless they literally reshoot 90 percent of this movie like like they're, they're gonna have to what's what's the guild rules like you have to, it has to be more than 50 percent of the film in order to get the the director like a, a director credit on it you know i i, I believe i believe that's correct which, that's that's like a rule of thumb i guess we could at least yeah which with. which by the way that a lot the dga rules also prohibited larry kasdan supposedly from taking over i mean kasdan's one of the co-writers on this film and which you know seems to make sense being a you know former director himself of some good some bad but i guess like you know union rules stated that he couldn't take over so i wonder if that was the 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 first consideration that seems the most obvious to interesting me. uh we should also probably point out at this juncture that in the in the single day that speculation was running rampant about who was going to pick up the pieces here, Joe Johnson of uh, Rocketeer uh, and Jurassic Park three fame, um, and designer of Boba Fett. Yeah, designer of Boba Fett was also um, uh, inc- included. I just included Jurassic Park three there to be facetious. Um, he, he's done a lot of great films, um, and he did design Boba Fett. And I really wanted to work on a Star Wars film. Yes. Uh, anyway, but we but here we are with Ron Howard. Um, an insider source told Variety. It was a culture clash from day one. Kennedy didn't even like the way they folded their socks. Why would you... Why... Why why go into production with people you didn't feel comfortable with? Because they were brought in to take... I mean, they were the perfect directors on the surface of taking a bad idea and making it into a good movie. Like, then two weeks in, when you weren't happy with the simple little things, why would you let it continue this far? Why not? Why didn't this happen two months ago? Well, they probably wanted to see what the end product was. I mean, you know, they have I don't they're they're a very interesting duo. I mean, I I have I I know people who have read the 21 Jump Street script in order to study, you know, comedy screenwriting that have said that the 21 Jump Street like final shooting script is like nowhere near what came out on screen because they're just constantly going off script and coming up with ideas and just sort of Now, I don't think they could have done that in their animated projects cuz that's a completely different thing, but like I can see how it may have just gotten, it could have snowballed out of the control of the corporate offices. Yeah, and well, and also, Kajdan, Kajdan wrote this the script, and if it starts turning into something that isn't what he wrote, this is I believe he he said that this is the last Star Wars film he's going to write. Uh, it might have been a matter of some pride, and all of a sudden, you know, you, you got like a good friend of Kathleen Kennedy being like, what the fuck are these jokers doing in my movie? Yeah. I mean, on one hand, you hired them because you wanted their stamp on it. You know, you wanted, they were so excited to get them on board to have a, you know, a nice take on this and go in a direction. Maybe, maybe we weren't expecting. They were, you know, all behind it, at least publicly. Now it's turning out that, Oh, they, from the beginning, they weren't a really good match, which is strange to move forward with that. But on the other hand, let's say you are in charge of Star Wars and these guys come in and what if it really wasn't turning out very good? What if it was too zany? What if it was just 21 Jump Street with with blasters? 
And you go, and 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 I'm okay, I'm okay with stylistic changes. Like, I don't know. What if what if every James Bond movie was just Doctor No? Like that franchise wouldn't be continuing on to this day. Like, sure. I, I guess I guess what I mean to say is instead of it just being Twenty One Jump Street with blasters, what if okay, if you're Lawrence Kasdan, you wrote a script and you're seeing these guys take it and they are literally improvising scenes, you know, like and, and in a way that you're wor- you're worrying this isn't going to cut together. Whether we agree or disagree with this choice. They didn't do it for no reason. I agree with you there. Like, they had some reason, and it must have been a damn good reason because they knew there'd be fallout. Yeah, I'm certain that, I mean, both parties had to have really, you know, fought to try to make this work. And it's, it is really absurd that that it it got this far and that this has happened. Now, there's, there's some conflicting opinions over this. I think that this points to, an, an overbearingness on Lucasfilm's part and a lack of trust. They they want the brand of having indie directors on board or like, I mean, Lord Miller are not indie, but like, you know, young directors. It's been, all of their director choices have all been very surprising. Mm-hmm. Um, and With the exception of J.J., really. Yes, which was actually disappointingly un, uninspired. Yeah, but, but you know, whatever. <laughs> sure. Um, they, but they, they can't handle what that actually means. Yeah. So like, we still are doing that Rogue One episode that's all, all us sort of deconstructing everything we've learned about Rogue One since it came out. It's coming soon. But it's I think that there's a good amount of what we've been told about the story of, of Rogue One that is a fabrication because I I think that it, it seems like the narrative is actually that the <laughs> that Lucasfilm couldn't handle a different directorial style than what they were used to. They 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 put their you know their money on these young people and didn't play ball and i don't i mean i don't know that i don't know that at all and it's difficult for me to say these things because i know that they're so based in speculation granted that's part of the joke of the show but i'm being fucking serious so (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah i I think i can understand there was creative differences so like they were taking the movie in a direction and lucasfilm felt that that wasn't the right direction to go into i'm a little surprised by that because you should have a good idea of where this movie's going before you give them money and you set them loose exactly so i'm thinking if it was more of like a clash of like they didn't like the way they were going about it or if they were like oh like if we felt misled that you were you promised us this movie that we were all in agreement with but now we're looking at the dailies and we're seeing this is not the movie we all agreed upon but there was a source at variety that said that much of the conflict was over the personality of han solo strange yeah i, I but that's the thing who has the right personality for han solo you know, like, whose who's interpretation is the correct one? And that's why I'm like, you know what? Maybe it's better we didn't have this movie at all. Right. I told you guys from the beginning, <laughs> this is stupid. Because it's like, I don't care who he was beforehand, because who he was beforehand was a scoundrel, was a bad guy. They're going to try and take this character and make him a hero, make him super... He's not likable enough. It's like, he he was he was a murderer. <laughs> like, he murdered Greedo in the bar. Granted, it was for his own protection, but, like... He like didn't Matt, care. He didn't yeah, give a fuck. Matt, Matt said it best when he's like, I want to see him at the end of this film to be the guy you're not sure he's going to come back at the end of, of New Hope when the Death Star attack is happening. Yeah, that is the only way this movie should end. And if I had to guess, I would say that that would be closer to what Lord and Miller were setting up than what Kathleen Kennedy and yeah. Lawrence Kasdan because, were setting yeah. up. Because they're like, well, you can't have an unlikable hero. You can't have it end where he's kind of a scoundrel. And he's that's like a dark ending. And this is supposed to be a fun movie. And huh, everyone loves Hansel. He's a pop culture icon. I'm like, he's just the fucking guy who drove the ship. You know, like he wasn't that big of a he's deal. He's a space trucker. He's a shitty yeah. 
murderous space trucker. He was a he was a third rate space trucker in the fucking bar at on Tatooine. Like he wasn't even on Coruscant. You know what I'm saying? Like he wasn't even the best guy for the job. He was the only one mm-hmm. willing to do it for the money. And it would it, like only when they had the money, only when they offered an ungodly amount of money, was he willing to do it. Yeah. Now, recently, Anthony Bresnikan uh, put out a article on Entertainment Weekly. And Bresnikin is a voice, and a name you've heard a lot if you're listening to this show, and, and a voice that ha- I have become just extremely skeptical of. And I've never met the guy, so I also feel bad about, about the amount of skepticism that I, I put on him. But the way I've interpreted his writing lately has been as Lucasfilm's like, PR mouthpiece, like having a journalist saying things that are company-issued, you know? Yeah. Uh, he... In this article, he says uh, several sources close to the movie and others close to the directors tell Entertainment Weekly that ever since filming began uh, back in February, Lord Miller began steering the Han Solo movie into more into the genre of laughs than space fantasy. Apparently, the split was a subtle one that became magnified over time. Lucasfilm and Kennedy believed that uh, Lord Miller were hired to add a comedic touch and Lord and Miller believed they were hired to make a comedy, and Bresnikin then pointed out the irony that fans were worried about Lucasfilm lightening Rogue One, but the Lucasfilm, you know, actually wanted Lo- Rogue One to be darker, as is the the story we've been told at the very least. Um, and here they are wanting Han Solo to be more grounded. Uh, ha ha ha! Oh, Lucasfilm, you made the right decision. Um, he offered that uh, another individual close to the movie says that it wasn't uh, a question of how much comedy would be in the film, um, but then reported that the consensus is the director's. Uh, encouraged improvisation, shifted the story off course with that improvisation, and uh, in the end, they just didn't share the same vision and had a refusal to compromise. Um, so, here's the thing. I feel this emphasis on them making a comedy. I don't know that that's wrong, but I think that's wrong. And the reason I think that's wrong is a quote from cinematographer Bradford Young. This is we've, We read this quote before, um, and it was, in many ways, the center point of, of the article that I put out on Consequence of Sound. And what it basically says is, what, what it essentially says is, like, I wasn't, I wasn't on board to necessarily work with these guys because I mean, this is the guy who did Selma and Arrival. Like, he's yeah. doing serious movies mm-hmm. with some, like, big, bold visuals, and Lord Miller have done, like, zany popcorn flicks. Right. But everything that has come out of Bradford Young's mouth about how they convinced me to get on this project to begin with has been about them basically being like, he's like, he said, you you think you know these guys, you don't know these guys. They're doing something very different here. And it's so, it's so exciting. It pulled me in. And he said, specifically, they mentioned a certain film, a film that was so specific that if he told us what film it was, it would give away some of what this Han Solo movie is about. Hmm. And that they wanted, they wanted to make that film. And, and his, as his quote goes, he was like, wait, so you, I mean, f- first of all, it was, a, it was a film that was close to him, which they didn't know. So mm-hmm. they weren't like, they weren't pitching specifically to seduce him. They were just telling him what was up. Right. And he was like, you guys know this is, I mean, you're saying this. Do you, do you really mean this? And they're like, oh yeah, that's the movie we want to make. And he was like, damn, that's brave. So Pixar is brave. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't, <laughs> that, that quote. Rambly as it is, and rambly as my reinterpretation of it is, suggests to me that Lord Miller, we're not making a goofy comedy film unless it somehow turned into that over the course of production. That was not, I don't believe that's what they set out to do. 
I trust Bradford Young because he's an up and coming name. He's a relatively like young player in the scene. Yeah. And he takes his job very fucking seriously. Well, and Lord Miller took it seriously. From the beginning, people were even kind of including myself. I was a little bit skeptical. I'm like, ah, are they gonna make this too funny? Are they gonna Right, what I'm saying is funny it up. What I'm saying is you could you you as the like the general populace could discount Lord Miller based on what they've done, but you can't discount Bradford Young. Right. So Right. Well, and Lord Miller publicly said before they even started shooting, they were just like, listen. We know how important this is. We're not going to fuck this up. Like, we're taking it very seriously. We're going to do the best possible movie we can, and we're excited to do it. What we got cooking, we're excited to do. So I, don't, I gave him benefit of the doubt, and I still give him benefit of the doubt. I'm just confused. Yeah, well. <sighs> also, even if they took it too far in this comedic direction, what with three weeks left of principal photography left, could they defunny it? Like, I don't understand. Or just fucking edit the movie. Like, like wait... Just do a, do do your first rough cut. Say that joke doesn't work. Cut that joke. Oh, okay. I guess it doesn't. You know what I'm saying? Like you can change the entire film in editing. Dude, they changed a new hope in editing. Are you? Do you understand what I'm saying? Like, like, am I, am I making any sense? Like, uh, well, yeah. You're you're describing the act of editing a film. Doug. Yes, but because it's like, <laughs> what's going on? How can you say like, let's just let's just say the movie's goofy, right? Let's just say it's too silly. People have taken episode one and cut out all the funny shit and made it a slightly better movie. And when you have the, the a movie that's still in production, the sky's the limit. Yeah, I don't understand. What what was so bad at the end of the day? They had a reason that they thought was such a good reason. They pulled the plug. Yeah, and apparently three and, weeks from ending and shit, shooting and shit the bed. I mean, yeah, this is this is a public disaster. Exactly, they said the public disaster and pulling the plug this late in the game is worth it to stop it now and pull in someone else that we don't even know who it's going to be yet. And and what's weird is this scrutiny, these Frankenstein films they're making. Uh, this appears to not even remotely as much, at least, affect the saga films. Which they should be more worried about because on an anthology film, if the Han Solo solo film has a weird, funky 1970s heist feel, like and is all like weirdly directed, if yeah. that if that happened, if yeah. that happened, uh-huh. then <laughs> it wouldn't matter because it's not a saga film. Because out of the blue, you're not like this is weird, you know? Like I mean, it would be weird, but it wouldn't be it wouldn't be wrong because it's a standalone movie. Kathleen Kennedy literally described these movies as a chance for them to experiment and play around without worried worrying about ruining the saga franchise. But none of these movies are ever going to be classics if they don't give them a chance to even fail. Like, you got to put yourself out there. Like, there's going to be some bad eggs. There's going to be bad movies. It happens. It's just their, their fear of, like, I don't want this to be the Marvel cinematic universe as decent as those movies can be i would dare to say none of them are classic films and they may never be yeah this is so discouraging because lucasfilm i mean it's easy to to generalize well like you know it's under disney of course it's going to be like marvel they want star wars to be like marvel they want two marvels and that's that's a fine thing to think because it's it's a totally reasonable thing to think because you you look at a big corporation you say they're just going to do what they got to do and you know from from business standpoint you have to say look we have this property of star wars we need to make more movies we're gonna we're, we're gonna make we're gonna make we need to see a future timeline yeah of, of this we have but to always have something coming down the here's pipeline. where i'm going with this that's what you, that's what it's an easy thing to think mm-hmm. but that is not what they're saying that they're doing right like they have been needlessly waving a banner of 
the creativity of George Lucas and the legacy of Star Wars and blah, 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 blah. That like things that things about ingenuity and and the bravery that Bradford Young was talking about. That's what that's what Lucasfilm has been talking about. That's what Kathleen Kennedy has been talking about since she started this. And I think that the and I, I want to believe that it's not her and like Lawrence Kasdan that's like responsible for this. But like this is very messy. This is a big mess. This this points to some some piece of the chain of command being paranoid about the success of these films and believing that they can't even remotely risk failure. Paranoid or overly protective? I Both. Mean, uh, yeah. I, I because we don't know. Like this is a speculation podcast. So we're just like, all right, well, what is But we have informed you know. opinions. No, we do, we do, but it, it's just it just comes down to like, what if the movie was legitimately shaping up to be kind of bad? It it could it could have been. And and same thing with Rogue One. Rogue One could have been a bad movie, and that's a conversation for another time. But once again, like these movies are forgetful. Or at least okay, I'm I'm st- you know I'm jumping the gun on like two Disney Star Wars movies that have come out, but you know I only have two movies to work with with evidence, and then things that have happened to the ones you know coming out soon. So like, unless they let them breathe, they're not going to end up having the lasting legacy that like the original trilogy ever had. You know, like, I mean, I know, like, I cited the James Bond franchise before. It's but a like, great comparison. It's a perfect it is, comparison. Because, like, there are classic moments and classic movies in this franchise into the teens and the 20s. Like, the way people reacted to Casino Royale and GoldenEye and, like, Spy Who Loved Me. And, like, those were late movies in the franchise because they kept evolving and kept growing. They weren't like, I, I, man, the, my least favorite phrase on every Star Wars, like, fan site and, like, Reddit and everywhere else is Star Wars look and feel. It's another galaxy. There's, there's millions of looks and feels for Star Wars. Yeah, these sound like people who haven't, like, read any of the extended books or anything where it's just like, dude, there's such, such different tones, like, yeah, all throughout. So a many different, different yeah. things. It's an entire galaxy that you literally could play with. Yeah, yeah. limitless possibilities of which they are exploring None. And I mean, and None. maybe not the best example, but even look at the Marvel films. Look, not even Marvel films. Look at what Marvel's doing. Daredevil and Guardians of the Galaxy exist in the same universe, <laughs> like in right. that cinematic universe. What the fuck? Like you know, like uh, we were we were we were at uh, uh, Heroes Con recently, and we and I, I we saw a Star Lord cosplay walking next to a Punisher cosplay from the Daredevil TV show, and I looked over at Cap. I'm like, isn't it crazy? Those two could actually meet someday, <laughs> like on film, like in a future Avengers movie. There may be a scene where the two of them are shooting side by side or at each other or at each other. Isn't that fucking crazy? But like when you say like Star Wars has to, oh, this has to be Star Wars. This has to have that look and feel. And even the, the point of James Bond, even James Bond had different look and feels, not even among different Bond, people who played Bond, but among the different films from each yep. actor. Because mm-hmm. they recognize that evolution is important. And you evolve or you die. And, and, and here we are. Here we are with this, like, one of the... I, I don't think this is an overstatement. One of the ugliest, weirdest things I've ever seen come out of Hollywood in terms of, like, politics of, and firings and so on. Like, this, is, this did not happen behind closed doors. This happened during production on a major motion picture of one of the most successful franchises of all time. And if this was the only weird misstep, you'd be like, "Wow, this is strange," but you know, I guess it's okay. Yeah. But it's been a, it's yeah, been an evolution. Be more willing to give benefit of the doubt if it was just one misstep. You're right. 
you know, what they should be doing with these films is instead of like giving these movies like $250 million budgets and then making sure that they have a look and feel despite on day one thinking that you're going to be able to be like make an indie Star Wars film and like try something new, maybe they should have the budgets. Like if you're that worried that they're going to like damage the brand, you know, look, look at what happened with Logan. Logan was super, super well received and they cut back on things and it's like no one's concerned now that it damaged the X-Men brand. You know, like go smaller. That's, and then see that like it, it could be valuable to evolve and do different things. That's a and great then maybe suggestion. Maybe go back to the big budget evolutions. Yeah, if you're if you're going to wave this flag of creativity and all that, then yes, slash the budget. And if they come to you begging for more money for a scene, maybe you give it to them. But like you know, make it count. It's fucking ridiculous. Anyway, it's time for Willow Watch. <laughs> Willow. This might be the first time I'm not ready for Willow. <laughs> like, I'm, like I'm always ready for Willow. I'm not ready for Willow. I'm still, I'm still, ugh, I still got umbrage. Oh, oh no, no, this, this is a surprise. This is, this is not. This is a Willow Watch segment. It, it, it's right. true. Is this gonna but, cleanse the palate a little bit? No, no, because we're still talking about Han Solo. Uh, because Ron Howard is directing, is, is, is directing the Han Solo film. Yeah. For some reason. Yeah. He interrupted his busy schedule to clean up someone else's mess. Um, it filming begins on July 10th and, uh, then they've got five weeks of already scheduled, um, reshoots. I don't know what they're going to do. I don't know how they're going to balance the schedules of the actors involved in this project, uh, including Donald Glover who has to shoot Atlanta and, uh, what's her face from Game of Thrones? How are they going to do it? I don't know, but I do know that Ron Howard is actually directing a Star Wars film. Ron Howard, who is too safe to have done this job yeah, uh, and too, too big a name to have done this job as far as I'm concerned. But it is very interesting because once again, Ron Howard is working with Lucasfilm. It's been a while. He was courted for Attack of the Clones before. And he, he on the download, consulted for the prequels. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing. Ron Howard isn't just directing another Lucasfilm film, you know, to put that willow ball back in the court. Mm-hmm. He's directing a film that has Warwick Davis in it. Warwick Davis is in Warwick Davis Han Solo? is in Han Solo because uh, just after Star Wars Celebration, they produced a Force for Change video hosted by Warwick Davis, where he was giving a whimsically uh, unhelpful tour of the set of Han Solo. And uh, Lord Miller interrupted, interacted, interacted with him a little bit, showed a cool uh, practical and CGI composite alien. And then um, Warwick said that even me being here is a spoiler in a way. Yeah, yeah, that's that's true. So are they going to have to reshoot his scene and bring him back? It's like, nah, don't bring Warwick back. It's like, God damn it. Come on. They're so close. Well, I, think, I think more importantly, I think Ron and, and uh, Warwick are going to get to talking about some good old times. I think that's yes. true. Yes. I mean, and here's, here's what's great. This film comes out, if, unless something changes, May, May uh, 2018. During the year of the 30th anniversary of Willow, Ooh. Ron Howard will be doing interviews promoting a Lucasfilm picture during the 30th anniversary of Willow, and that n- will not go unnoticed. And I don't just mean by us. I mean by everybody. The better. I was speculating. You know, I was speculating that we were up to goat level on the uh, Willow Watch uh, uh, scale here. What have I convinced you of? <sighs> we got to go to Ostrich, I think. Oh, shit! <laughs> I think we are, I think we are up to Ostrich, which is the beginning of... Uh, of uh, uh, 
of Rizal's transformation scene. That's like starting at goat, going up to ostrich. Shit, man. I mean, I never thought there was a chance that we would get to a point like this where you have Ron Howard working on a Lucasfilm picture with Warwick Davis during, like, with a press cycle during, during the, the anniversary 30, like, of Willow. Yeah, like this is as absurd as it could get without someone saying, "Yes, I'm actually writing Willow right now," and like you know they they're probably going to produce it. You know, like this is this is crazy. Ugh. And and you know no. Uh, Lucasfilm is not interested in putting Willow on the docket right now. They can't even put out their second fucking anthology film. Mm. Or announce their third. <laughs> right. We'll get to that. However, I think this bodes well for, for more Willow. I think, you know, like Marvel's doing some good business with comic books. The, the amount of Star Wars books they're putting out is picking up. I think there's the Willow, the long discussed here on State of the Empire, potential for a Willow comic series. Mm-hmm. I think that could be a very real thing. Mm-hmm. In fact... Um, we're going to be putting out an episode of Nerdy Show in the near future where I do a panel from Heroes Con with uh, Charles Soule, who writes Darth Vader, Poe Dameron, Obi-Wan and Anakin, and Lando. He's a great guy, a great writer. It's a panel for his, his independent book, Curse Words. And uh, during this panel, we're talking about a character who is stuck in sort of this like magical shape-shifting from to different animals thing. This character starts off as a koala. Mm-hmm. So it's a magical character, very popular as a koala, very fun in the book, popular in the world of the book and also outside of the world of the book who was recently turned into a golden eagle and based on our conversation may continue to get shapeshifted into different things and he was worried about that you know like oh well i've got this character do i fuck with the fans like this you know i want i want there to be a certain sense of impermanence i don't want anybody to get too comfortable with anything mm-hmm. but it was fun riding this koala right so what do i do and i was like well you know it's like finn Rizel. she started as the the weird tree rat mm-hmm. and then she turned into different things maybe we didn't you know we didn't see enough of her as a goat but uh but she was, you know, she was a goat yeah. for a while. She's a bunch of different things. And he yeah. was like, that's a very apt comparison. And his, <laughs> his, the way he picked up on Willow and that there was a clear love for Willow there with me just mentioning Finn Rizal, mm-hmm. I mean, for all I know, Charles Soule is already writing a Willow book. Yeah. So that's interesting. I mean, that's nothing. But it's th- just nice. It's, it's nice. And there's a possibility. And thus ends Willow Watch. So here we are still talking about Han Solo. I don't know what Ronnie's going to do. What's what's Ronnie going to do? <sighs> Ronnie's going to play it safe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, he's talented, but even his his most like acclaimed pictures are Well, he's there to rescue this film. He's he's not he's not there to put his vision on it. He's there to rescue he, it. He's literally yeah, it's the scene in Apollo 13. They're going to give him <laughs> all the footage and like pour it out on the table and they're going to be gonna like make, they right. got to make this fit into that <laughs> with yep. using only that. <laughs> Let's go. Uh, that that's a video idea. Let's write that one down. <laughs> I gotta get the Millennium Falcon home. Could we get Clint Howard in the uh, in the Han Solo spinoff film? I think I think it's a basically a guarantee now. That would be awesome. <laughs> I will say, I think they didn't do themselves any favors, Lucasfilm, in their images, to, in their like as as far as how they're portraying themselves to to fans and the public by hiring Ron Howard. You know, if they had gone with someone that had a little more of, like, a personal flair, like, it would have looked like, oh, okay, you know, like, they're still committed to, like, creative freedom. But Ron Howard is, I'm sure, a friend of Kathleen Kennedy's. Without sure, question. Sure. How could he not be? Yeah, and, and, and Lawrence Kasdan as well. And this just sounds like, even if this movie was headed to complete disaster based on tone, 
there's no way that this doesn't look like, oh, we're just, you know, putting it in the friends group to do it my way, my vision, you know? So I still have faith that the movie could be good, but I'm certainly less excited about its potential. They have made good films out of absolute train wrecks. It's like their art form now is not making good movies, but making decent movies out of terrible films. Uh, or half-completed ones. Yeah, mm. they can. They work some actual magic. It's their magic now, and that's a fucking shame. But yep. at the very least, it'll be watchable. It won't be a disaster. But I don't really want that. I didn't want this film to begin with, and now it's going to be. Hey, ma- surprise me, folks! Surprise me. I'm. I think you, Kathy. I, I think you can understand why I'm a bit skeptical and why I'm a bit pessimistic about all this. Come on, things. <laughs> that, you gotta admit this is really weird. Um, Lord Miller, however, well, this isn't confirmed, but it looks like they might be directing The Flash. They uh, they eh. wrote a treatment for it back in 2015. Um, Rick uh, Famuiwa left the project, and uh, they're uh, according to a source, they actually had a discussion with DC during the production of the film. Can you imagine? Oh boy, this isn't going well. Let's get an escape plan, you know, sorted out. Or that they jumped to it as soon as production was done. Like, we yeah. don't know the timeline exactly for true. Flash. Yeah, yeah, that, that's, that's very true. But um, I don't know. Is there anything more to say about this smoldering disaster? I mean, not at the moment, but I'm sure the next time I watch Rogue One, I'm probably going to get very upset about it. <laughs> Hope for the best, prepare for the worst. Like, yep, you know. Sound advice. But uh, if this didn't happen... Let's tell you the things about the Han Solo movie that we were going to be talking about. Right. (laughs) Because there actually is some things to to share. In fact, there was a surprising amount of leaks from the uh, the Han Solo movie. And not plot leaks, nothing we got to put behind the spoiler wall or the blast doors in this case. There was a shoot at a power plant in uh, in the UK, Folly Power Station specifically, and there's tons of leaked footage and stills from that. Yeah, some kind of land speeder chase of some kind. Yeah, and the land speeder was hella stylized. It looks like this weird uh, cigarette box Corvette thing. <laughs> it's cool. We'll link to different sites where you can see a ton of photos from this. There's there's also some kind of imperial, like, it looks like, imagine the thing that, that Ray drives in Force Awakens, mm-hmm. but the most brick-like imperial version of that. Mm. Brutalist, yeah. Yeah, extremely. So, yeah, it's funny, the, I just realized that the Han speeder, I mean, like it kind of reminded me of like sort of like an American graffiti type feel to <laughs> yeah. it, and now and now Ron Howard's directing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, which may- Harrison Ford was in. Maybe that's the film that uh, that Lawrence Kasdan wrote. Maybe that's what he wrote, American Graffiti it's, in Space. It's actually it's not a terrible idea to kind of. I mean, certainly in the Lucas. Wouldn't it be crazy if Lord Miller said that the movie that they wanted to go for was American Graffiti? And that's what sold the DP on. I was like, "Whoa, you guys are doing you guys are doing Lucas without doing Lucas. That's bold." <laughs> <laughs> that would be cool, though. There was also leaks from a place called uh, Fuerteventura, and it's a desert area. It doesn't appear to be Tatooine, but there's some pod racer-like engines scattered about. There's some aerial photography. What looks like a really cool sprawling kind of set. We'll link to those as well. Donald Glover was seen at the airport there, so there was definitely some Lando sequences that were shot. Um, but let's get to some uh, some odder stuff. First of all, uh, a thing we mentioned a while back was Han Solo's name. And uh, Bob Iger with his usual, uh, I don't know, it's a boot, fuck it, <laughs> attitude. Um, he, he said, this will be the story of how Han Solo gets his name. And we all collectively gasped. 
Like, the fuck are you talking about, Bobby? Yeah. Kathleen Kennedy did fortunately dispel all that um, in an interview uh, during Celebration. She said, there's more to Han Solo's name, but not that it's not his name. It's obviously his name. It will always be his name. Come on. So, great. Good. That's what we thought. So, super duper. Bob, you're a weird guy. <laughs> why Why do you talk about Star Wars? Why do you talk about anything that's not money, dude? You really shouldn't. <laughs> but never change, Bob. Yeah, but never change. Never change. Just like don't maybe maybe don't say things that are going to get quoted because they sound batshit crazy, dude. <laughs> we have some uh, some information via making Star Wars, and their their rumors have been pretty spot on lately. Their sources have just I don't know their their ability to pull forth information is surprising. Sometimes they're very wrong, but they do discover some interesting details. In this case, some character names. Uh, there's a character called Mother Proxima, likely some sort of puppet operated by Dave Chapman, who is one of the two BB-8 operators from The Force Awakens. And uh, she might be voiced by one of the actors who's already been announced. Not sure. And there's a major character named Val, who has a sequence involving some stunts. She could be Amelia Clark, she could be Phoebe Waller-Bridge, or she could be Thandie Newton. Not sure. Hmm. But there's, there's one thing that, that happened that... Had me just like outright face palming because it is weird, folks. And Matt, I'm going to need your help with this one. The editor in chief of making Star Wars was at Star Wars Celebration, and he had a deep throat like meeting in which someone slipped him uh, the name Dryden Voss in conjunction with the film Han Solo. And that's the same surname as Quinlan Voss, who's a character from the prequels. Right. Now, what do I need to know about Quinlan Voss, Matt? Uh, Quinlan Voss was a Jedi that, while he was in the he was in the background of Phantom Menace, technically on Tatooine, I guess undercover, which is something they covered in the comic books. But his his popularity soared with the Republic series of comics, which were probably like, in my opinion, maybe the expanded universe at its like finest as far as like comic form. But he was sort of like a Jedi that like walked the dark side, you know, kind of like he was like the spy Jedi, you know, and, and at one time he kind of convinced uh, Dooku that he was, you know, thinking about going dark side and sort of like join the Separatist. And then he, like, he started to get actually tempted and like some great storylines in there. Like classically, like his demise around Revenge of the Sith went through a lot of back and forth. I think um, he was kind of dead because in the Revenge of the Sith comic adaptation, they showed him getting blown up on Kashyyyk. But then like they wrote Republic comics that came out right after that showed him surviving that attack. And people wondered about his future. At the time, with no sequel trilogy on the way, they su- I assumed and the rest of the world assumed that he would just continue in comic form. But of course, when Clone Wars came out, they started using him and weird characterization in Clone Wars. And that old history of his kind of went away. I think it just assumed that he was probably dead in Order 66 by this point. Well, except that uh, there's some pretty heavy rumors that Voss was actually spared in Revenge of the Sith by Lucas himself because he had plans for him. On the DVD, there is an animatic of his death that was never produced. So, so, so I, I would assume that his, his death in the adaptation was an oversight based on it having actually been in the script at some point. Uh, it's highly speculated that he was going to be in the live-action TV series that Lucas never got off the ground, Star Wars Underworld which Kathleen Kennedy said is something we're spending a lot of time looking at, pouring through, discussing, and we may very well develop those things further. We definitely want to. 
That's the interesting you, you era. mentioned the, the unfinished animatic because like Ayla Sakura, his Padawan was killed on screen in Revenge of the Sith. She was the blue Twi'lek that gets shot by her soldiers. And that was actually a character that Lucas brought into the movies based on a stunning Dark Horse cover of the Republic series that Lucas loved. And he's like, <laughs> I want that character on screen. Weird and great. Something I didn't know about um, the the Underground series, according to Making Star Wars, Han Solo, Chewbacca, and Lando were all slated to appear in mm-hmm. in Underworld, uh, and Voss was going to be a part of the thirteen thirteen storyline in Clone Wars, where he was going to have hidden himself away in the criminal world there. So, I don't know who Dryden Voss is, but if he is any relationship to Quinlan Voss. Or... Quinlan Voss. Now that's a name I've not heard in a long time. Right. <laughs> a long time. You know, though, I, like. Of course I know I, him. He's me. <laughs> like, the, I, I, I like the idea, but also it screams uh, Saw Gerrera, in which, like, it's a very nice nod, yeah. but it plays very little into the actual movie. Like, Nothing about Saw Gerrera's past played into his characterization in Rogue One whatsoever. Like, I can see how that character got to be that way, but the only reason they used the name was because it was, like, a little extra, like, you know, fan cachet. You know, like, it it doesn't really, like, having Voss in it, I don't know, it screams like it might just be the same thing. I don't know. Well, Well, Han Solo's got to think the Force is bullshit anyway. Like what? We can't, there can't possibly be a Jedi in this. But this is a Jedi who, if he was in it, would be posing as a crime lord and would have no reason to reveal himself to Han Solo. Ah, eh, sure, I guess. But then why even make him a Jedi anyway? Like why even remember bring also that character the whole forward? thing about Han is not that he doesn't like, like he doesn't deny that it all exists. He just thinks it's all just a bunch of yeah. you know nonsense. He doesn't believe the Force exists. Ah. Uh... He says, I've never seen anything that made me think there's an all-powerful force controlling anything. He says, there's no magical you know, thing that controls my destiny. It's all superstitious. Well, yeah, but it's not like he doesn't like believe that the Jedi... Like, he can totally just be like, oh yeah, I was a Jedi in the Clone Wars. Like, you know, he saw Luke doing his thing and he still doesn't believe in it. Like, you know, it's... A lot of people... I mean, I mean, the, the Jedi were the a real thing. The... the Jedi were a w- real, yeah. well-known thing to the universe only 20, 18 years prior to A New Hope. Sure. Yeah, I think he thinks the Jedi were real, but their force yeah. abilities were probably exaggerated bullshit as far as he's concerned. Exactly. So there but there there's no reason to say that a Jedi can't be in it. But from an audience perspective, you're going to see a person that we know, that we quote unquote know is a Jedi. I don't know, dude. It's just it's just confusing. This is strange. If if I mean, but that's the thing. So someone slipping like an unconfirmed thing of someone slipping someone a note as if that name <laughs> is supposed to mean anything to you. It's like if someone slipped me that note, I'd be like, "This is like, hey man, can you tell me anything about Han? If I want the scoop on Han Solo, can you give me something? All right, I gotta be quiet about this. You didn't get this from me. Slips you a piece of paper. You open it. It's got that name on it. I go, "What the fuck is this? <laughs> like, what am I supposed to do with this?" doesn't say anything. You could tell me anything and you gave me this. This means nothing. This could be completely bullshit anyway. Dodson. We got Dodson here. See, no one cares. Exactly. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. I, I, like, I mean, take take all this with a grain of salt. It's an interesting story that they've, that they've spun here. But, like, so fucking weird. So yeah. fucking weird. 
uh, I, I don't know. I don't know what to make of it. It's interesting, though. It's interesting. So that's why we're reporting it, because it's interesting. So we've talked at length about this breaking Han Solo story. I'm sure there's much more information that's going to come out. Uh, for example, I just saw a, uh, a repost of a tweet from May from uh, Phil Lord that said, uh, what's so great about being reasonable with no context? <laughs> Mm. Uh, that's interesting. It's troubling. <laughs> um, I th- and you know maybe maybe we're wrong. Maybe my assessment of this is wrong. Or well, but it's so hard to say. Either way, I mean, like we said, the real the real we're, we're suffering from whiplash. Yeah, and and the, the fact the fact that all this did happen in the public just shows that whatever did go on was bad. Yeah, and and, th- and whatever their reasons, they thought they being Lucasfilm thought it was worth it to do this. Yeah. And and maybe they're right, and I'm I'm you know I would love for that to be the case. I just with the other circumstances, yeah. I can't help but think that maybe things are a little weird over there. Yeah, uh, I will say though, if anyone here is interested in uh, sort of trying to get a better understanding of how Lord and Miller probably work or like what they're like, if you maybe you're only familiar with their movies and not them themselves, uh, one thing you could do is uh, there was a video that was posted on YouTube um, by. Uh, the channel called BAFTA Guru, and it's just like, I guess it's, you know, BAFTA's official channel, I suppose. Uh, And they give like an hour and a half talk about the writing process, and specifically their writing process, and how they worked, you know, how they went from Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs all the way up to uh, 21 Jump Street and the Lego movie, and how, how, I guess... They weren't really complaining, but they talk about how difficult it is to work in a studio system, you know, and uh, like what their writer's room is like and how it is kind of disorganized and kind of fly by the seat of your pants and how that worries a lot of people and how Claudio with a Chance of Meatballs was like rewritten like 12 times, if not more. If you ask me, it needed to keep get another few passes because it's a pretty shitty movie. Whatever, you know, uh, whatever. But that's <laughs> if, for, I'm just saying, watch the video and form your own opinion. Well, I can say the one encouraging thing about the like the Han Solo mess is that it seems that everyone at Lucasfilm is on Kathleen Kennedy's side. Like, it appears like as, you know, things keep leaking, it looks like, you know, Aaron Reich himself was actually someone who came to Kathleen Kennedy in addition to Lawrence Kasdan. And, you know, some of, like, basically concerned that, reports saying that some of the improvisation was giving Han Solo an Ace Ventura vibe. (laughs) So like obviously that that's, <laughs> what? that doesn't sound good. I have a hard time believing that that might be like the actual like that that's an accurate assessment. That, that seems absolutely impossible. Yeah, it but you know like so maybe there's some benefit of the doubt that we need to give. It's just I mean as we've discussed before, it's hard with with everything, you know, that happened with Rogue One. Like it, it's hard not to see some sort of correlation going on. But, you know, Gareth Edwards was still part of the promotional process and you know, he they still used him in a very charismatic charismatic way to to promote that movie. So they had a good relationship. Um Yeah. I will say though, on the side of improvisation, the Han I love you I know line was improvised. Right, yeah. Kirshner was cool with him improvisation, but I guess you can go too far, you know. Like if yeah. the ha- if half this half the dialogue is suddenly improvised, I go. Eh, this is more of a guideline than an actual script. So let's just put that over here. Uh, you guys <laughs> go do something funny. Then it's you know it's different. Yeah, and yeah, but something that I'm sure we'll touch on in our in our Rogue One episode is that I I don't like feeling ev- that everything's conspiratorial, and unfortunately, 
I've been given plenty of reason to feel that way. Mm-hmm. That's what most conspiracy theorists say, Cap. You're not wrong. <laughs> and I hate that. I hate to sound conspiratorial, but, but all the evidence is suggesting that pe- something's going on. People don't so like <laughs> talking frankly about about their productions or sure. the troubles of their productions. Sure, sure. And and there's a good reason for that, but mostly it's a certain amount of, of paranoia and if and, and as a result they end up essentially lying at times. So you get lied to enough times you start to suspect everything. Mm-hmm. You start to try to like, you know, find correlations. And and here we are stuck in this loop where I feel like I can't help but make these assumptions. And I always try to preface them, but anyway, that's you know that's what's up. Hopefully, I haven't been part of shoveling shit on someone who didn't deserve it. I don't think I've actually been genuinely shoveling shit. I think I've just been looking at all this stuff, throwing my hands up, and being like, "The fuck does all this mean?" I mean, I guess to re- the important thing to remember is whenever you end up listening to this, dear listener, is this is a fairly I don't want to say knee-jerk reaction, but it's a fairly quick reaction because this happened so fast. It, it unfolded over hours, right? Like, I mean, like what, two days? This, like, we, we get the word that this happened. Like, what, they were fired? They were fired one day. They were fired Monday. We found out Tuesday, uh, and Ron Howard was announced Thursday morning. That's fast, man. That's, that's crazy. On a major production like this? Yeah. That's, Insane. You know, still still kind of reeling from it, but, uh, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, and... Uh, next year was it May twenty eighteen? Still, this one it's slated for. Yep, we'll 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 be at the theater just, and we'll see yeah, what's like, what. I, yeah, I also don't want to sound like I'm I'm disparaging someone too much, but like I just I just want the movie to have flavor, you know? Like maybe they overspiced it, Lord and Miller, but like I'm hoping whatever comes back still sticks out, yeah. you know? Like it's a movie that people are going to be like cosplaying and talking about for years because. I guarantee you people will be talking about prequel things, you know, for decades, but already Rogue One is sort of fading from the Star Wars consciousness, which is crazy because we're only like six months since the movies come out. Yep. That's problematic, I feel. But mm-hmm. that's, that is a discussion for another day, as we've been saying. Now, well, that's we- what happens when you kill off all your characters. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. How are you going to keep talking about it at the dead? Ah, whatever. Keep going. <laughs> anyway, we're already like an hour in, yeah. so we we've, we're we're going to talk about episode seven, and there's a bunch of other things that we're not going to talk about, but we'll get to them soon in a future episode of Stay the Empire. But before we move on, I want to give a shout out to the awesome people who make this show possible. We only exist because of your good graces. So uh, if you like what we do, please support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash nerdy show. It supports State of the Empire and all the programming on the Nerdy Show Network. There's a ton of perks, including a bunch of outtakes from State of the Empire, other cinematic conversations with us. And um, if you want one-time donation or you're probably going to be buying some Star Wars merch, so you should do it via our Amazon links. Nerdyshow.com slash Amazon. Click through our links, buy your stuff, make those versions of those links your default amazon links and you anything you buy will give back to nerdy show something we often say is we ask people to rate and review us on itunes that's still a thing you should do but the thing about itunes is it is a pain in the ass it is not a convenient platform for writing or posting reviews but also for discovering podcasts in general if you really want to get a deep exploration of like say specific episodes or if you're like uh, the program we do on Nerdy Show, where sometimes you know the topics shift and change, and we have all these different specialized discussions, all that can get sort of lost. Hmm. There needs to be a better platform for podcast discovery and rating interviews of podcasts, 
And fortunately, there is. There's a operation called Pod Chaser, which is now in beta. And we have some beta keys for you. If you go to podchaser.com and type in the key either nerdy or nerdy show, you'll get access to it. You can rate and review State of the Empire on there. Rate and review specific episodes, ones that you think are our best, like, for example, our Willow Watch special with Bob Dolman. Oh, yeah. That should be up there. That should get a ton of reviews. That enables you to say, hey, in the show that I already love, there's an outstanding episode. And that means when someone's, like, checking out a show, they'll be like, oh, well, let me get the taste for what this is all about. They'll look at our highest rated episodes. Yeah. And we'll see, oh, I should check this out. It's a good idea. Yeah, it's a very good idea. Also, it'll enable shows to get tagged so you can search things like audio dramas and so on. It's a great platform, and it's a platform that's only just growing. This is a closed beta. So what you got to do is uh, sign up for this beta, use this platform, watch it grow, submit bug reports, and hopefully we can cultivate what's going to be the new epicenter for discovering podcasts on the internet. I really believe in what they're doing. I think it's extremely important. So try it out. Beta keys are nerdy and nerdy show, and just to uh, to show you what it's all about, <laughs> we have exactly one review on Podchaser for State of the Empire as of this recording. Well, one written review. You can just leave a star count too. That's fine if you don't have time. It's fine. But Barry I says the best Star Wars speculation podcast on the internet. Nice, the best. Thank you, Barry I. You're the best. Now, on to episode seven. You mean eight. episode eight? Eight. Episode eight. On to episode eight. Did I say episode seven earlier? I don't know. I might have. Did I? Does anyone remember? <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, don't know. episode eight. It comes out this year, December 15th. And there was a huge post-celebration deluge of information coming out of Vanity Fair. What is now a Star Wars tradition for some reason. Of uh, Annie Leibovitz photos and a bunch of new information trickling out. So in this case, we have some more detailed looks at some characters, a first look at Benicio del Toro's character, and confirmation of a ton of stuff from making Star Wars that we reported in a prior episode. Mm -hmm. A ton. Basically everything. We'll start off the top. Uh, Canto Bite. The, the the casino world it's a casino world and that's what it's called boom they got it and we've seen pictures from it amazing pictures of like this like freaky rogues gallery of rich weirdos it's amazing hidalgo says uh what we're going to see in the last jedi are some people who have managed to carve out a life for themselves where they can live apart from the galactic struggle they found a way to live above it or beyond it there's a class of wealthy that have helped build all sorts of loopholes in society that will always ensure that they'll survive or even thrive no matter what else is happening out there. That sounds familiar. Hmm. <laughs> Del Toro's character, which we had been reportedly named DJ, and we were like, well, that's got to be a code name. Well, in the article, they reveal that he is named DJ, but also that that's not his name. That don't make no sense. Yeah. Uh, they say he's a shady character and an unscrupulous grifter with unclear allegiances who, as they say, and I don't know if I believe this or not, this is super weird, goes unnamed in the film. What? That sounds like a like Ryan Johnson type, like, like a brick or something. You know, like, I don't know. It, it, it's weird. I, 
I, I also find that very hard to believe because that doesn't certainly doesn't help your merchandising. No. <laughs> which is, you know, as much as they want to say that's not all about the toys, like in the end, Star Wars is heavily about <laughs> merchandising. Yeah, Inscrupulous Grifter trademark. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> so um, he's he's called DJ by the filmmakers, and Johnson says you'll see. There's a reason why we call him DJ. Stands for he's don't totally judge. like like one, you know he's like an EDM DJ at one of the Canto Bike clubs, <laughs> right? I mean, I that's actually possible. Though he doesn't look it, he looks like you know a hobo. Hmm. But right. also to a lot of uh, hipster DJs, so you know. Yeah, but I mean, they have him like like sitting in an alleyway or something. I don't know. It, it, it's a weird situation. Uh, Laura Dern, we'd seen pictures of her at Celebration. We'd heard that she had magenta hair. Um, she does. Her name is a- uh, Vice Admiral Amy Lynn Hollow. Holdo? Hol- hol- holdo. Um, <laughs> the, according to Pablo Hidalgo, the magenta hair doesn't mean she's an alien. It has to do with her cultural background. Ooh. There's um, a character who they didn't show any pictures of, but they mentioned quite a bit. She's the sister of Kelly Marie Tran's character, Rose Tico, and this is Paige Tico. She's played by Veronica Ingo. I'm going to say that, like, she's probably going to die. Oh, she's a gunner also. She's a gunner. Yeah. Uh, so, she, yeah, she she probably is going to die. <laughs> yeah. I feel like there's going to be some character arc going on there. Well, I mean, yeah, there's, there's got to be since we don't know anything about Rose. She didn't even get an appearance in the trailer. Oh hey, speaking of, there's a trailer, a rumored trailer. Well, not a, not exactly a rumor. There's a rumor of a rumor, but that turned out to be bullshit. <laughs> um, the British Board of Film Classification has classified a new trailer for the Last Jedi, and based on its running time and designation, which is trailer B, it is different from what we've seen. It's a, a minute thirty. It's actually thirty seconds shorter than the other trailer, and uh, we don't know when it's going to show up. I'm guessing Comic Con. Now, John Boyega had an interview in Entertainment Weekly where he, he laid out Finn is a really big deal in this movie. He says, the funny thing is... Listen to your big deal. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the funny thing is, between 7 and 8, Finn's now a big deal. Imagine that you get taken down by Kylo Ren. Think about what the gossip's going to be like in the Resistance. Oh, that's the guy that got slashed down by Kylo? Finn's in a bad way at the end of 7. That suit... That whole thing's to help him recover. There's some additional few things that need to be done to make him mobile. He's definitely in a place where he needs some help. The Resistance is under immense pressure. It's time for them to get a bit of help, and that's where Finn and Rose come in, and then they're thrust into a crazy adventure. So we'll get more on, actually, an outline of a little piece of that crazy adventure, but that's behind the blast doors. Hidalgo revealed one weird little note about Phasma, which is, I believe, going to be touched on in the upcoming Phasma comic, he says her background is more low tech than many would assume. The hell does that mean? Welcome back to Willow Watch. What the hell you got? <laughs> what is this? Oh, I think Captain Phasma is from the planet in Willow. What? I'm okay with it. I would totally accept uh, Willow being officially introduced into the Star Wars universe. What? Okay, I've joked about that for forever. What? What, what bullshit rumor? What? How? How do you? Maybe it's more low tech than you realize. Therefore, Willow. <laughs> like, what Wait, are you? Oh, are you saying that she's Sindel from the Ewok films? Is that what you're saying? Because I mean, <laughs> you're putting words in my mouth. I didn't say anything of the kind. 
I will say, though, if that's true, then holy shit, that'd be great. <laughs> no, I don't know, but it, it's interesting. It's interesting. Uh, Dustin's Willow Watch um, Part 2. <laughs> but yeah, I think that's an interesting bent to her character, and I, I, really, I really look forward to seeing how she's made not shitty by the comic books. Other notes. The Anakin slash Luke lightsaber has been officially dubbed Ray's lightsaber when the Lucasfilm marketing department gets a hold of it. So uh, even though a Jedi must forge their own lightsaber, there's a certain degree of Empire Strikes Back like ownership here. You know, it's not until she builds her own and loses when she loses her hand. Then she has to build her own as as per anyone who touches that saber. (laughs) Allegedly, there's a rusty steampunk resistance BB-8 named Bobo. Oh, Bobo. (laughs) <laughs> sure why not bb bobo bb bobo <laughs> bb mean bobo uh, uh, there's apparently tons of hand-built sets more original sets built for it than any other star wars movie including han solo hmm. and prepping for this movie rain johnson uh watched a bunch of world war ii films like henry king's 12 o'clock high as well as funky 60s samurai stuff like kihachi okamoto's kill and Hideo Gosha's Three Outlaw Samurai. I haven't seen any of those movies. So uh, maybe if you have, you can write in and provide us with a little bit of extra perspective on that. Now, we talked a little bit about the internet sensation of is The Last Jedi plural or singular? Rain Johnson told ABC News he was surprised um, because, quote, I had never even pondered that question. In my mind, Jedi is singular. Hmm. Well, I mean, he's wrong. You're wrong, Rain. But uh, I mean, Jedi—the word <laughs> Jedi is plural and singular. But we we cool. I like yeah. you. But in that case, then I because I was I was defending the point of like it has to be plural. Like how could it not be plural because it's whatever. But even if it's not, then yeah, Luke is the last Jedi. That's that's what Yoda tells him he is. Yeah. There you go. Done. It's done. Yeah. So quit worrying. It's done. <laughs> now, Rain has gotten a lot of flack and he's been he's had some very good twitter retorts uh for example uh a gaming journalist needlessly uh said at him you know last jedi is just going to be a clone of empire and he said hi greg this is this is rain ryan i gotta i gotta figure out how you say his damn name i've heard it pronounced ryan ryan this is ryan i've uh, i've actually had uh, as much creative ownership as on any film i've done don't know if you'll like it, but it's me. And uh, Kiri Hart said in the Variety article, uh, what the story group does is not impose plot point mandates on the filmmakers. Johnson was surprised at how much leeway he was given to cook up the action in episode eight from scratch. If anything, he wanted to give, he wanted more give and take with the Lucasfilm team, so he moved up to San Francisco uh, for about six weeks during his writing process, taking uh, an office two doors down from Kiri Hart and uh, meeting with the, the full story group twice a week. Hmm. So I I mean it, that sounds that sounds very different from things with Han Solo. Yeah, yeah. Um, but right. who the fuck knows? Um, also, miscellaneous stuff. Making Star Wars got access to some of the uh, uh, I don't know if it was hands on, but but some degree of access to the props from the Octo set, the uh, the island that uh, you know ends Episode Seven, begins Episode Eight. Um, the most significant prop was a compass of sorts, a box with a blue marble-like orb on the top. The interior has a uh, metallic dials with Orabesh writing and denoting some sort of space version of the cardinal directions uh, with a needle to point the way. It's been described as an extremely beautiful, ornate piece of work. 
like highly unusual for a prop to look this good. So it's probably really fucking important. Hmm. There's also been a leaked image of the Octo Sea creature that we reported a while back, which we'll link to. And here's a weird one. Making Star Wars has heard some kind of rumors about a nun creature, a reptilian pudgy nun creature, which is maybe the same species as the weird little puffin-like creatures that live on Octo that we've heard about as well. Nun-like? Is that what they mean, just the color-wise? Nope. Like, they actually they actually have a culture and a civilization. There's a small... There's some little people who live on this island with Luke. I, I don't know. I'm not sure. This could be two things that got mashed together. Not a lot of details. Also, uh, you know those crazy... Uh, Imperial Walker things, First Order Walkers that mm-hmm. we uh, we saw some drawings of. Well, we got pictures of them now from some uh, some leaked material, and we'll link to that on this episode's page. We also have details about the space horse from Canto Bite that was seen during the uh, the filming. But all that's Blastor stuff, folks. So if you want to hear about a space horse, well, that's a, a weirdly important rabbit hole. Now, um, some toy leaks that are also pretty important. And I think this is actually what we're going to uh, end on for the most part, as far as spoiler free material. Uh, Lucasfilm has gotten very paranoid. They're sending distributors uh, invoices with code names on them now. So uh, the upcoming black series figures for force Friday features names like cool beta Foxtrot Victor Victor two with throne exclusive and guards of evil four pack exclusive. Victor, you say? Yeah, Victor. Uh, there's some guesses as to what things are. Apparently, Ray is sometimes called Foxtrot on the, the call sheets, so that's probably Ray. And, um, well, there's also this... There's a, a Making Star Wars article about some personal guards that Snoke has, and they've drawn some pictures like they did with the Walkers. These are sort of like redesigns of Emperor Palpentine's royal guards. They're called Elite Praetorian Guards. They have weapons like nunchucks, double-bladed fighting sticks, and uh, it's rumored that they have an action sequence in the film, actually, though they weren't originally planned to, but someone decided, these guys look cool, Hmm. so they uh, upped the ante. Um, Mm, That sounds like a Phasma-type thing going on there. Yeah, well, we also reported that Phasma had um, some... Well, there's the Executioner Stormtrooper, we, we talked about in the past with some weird kind of like electricity blade weapon. Mm-hmm. Um, and these guys also kind of have those or some of them do. So tagging back to that weird uh, toy invoice, the, the going theory is that Victor could mean first order stormtrooper and cool Victor could be the exec- the executioner stormtrooper while the guards of evil are the Praetorian guards. I like sense. how they realize that they suck at blasters and aiming. So now all the stormtroopers are just getting really good with hand-to-hand weapons. It's pretty weird. Yeah, like they realize, like, oh, you know what? Everybody really liked uh, TR-8R in uh, Force <laughs> Awakens. And now they all need some sort of, like, you know, give Phasma a hand-to-hand weapon, give the Executioner troopers, give it to the Praetorian Guards. Like, let's just do it up. Yep. <laughs> I mean, and that's... Uh, cell phone weapons i guess but i mean theoretically they're just coming up with cool ideas and then deciding they could be cool toys right one other cool toy uh do you guys remember the uh the the crazy thing making star wars said in the list of crazy things that they say and we're like that's not true that's impossible 
And then Mickey Star was like, search your feelings, folks. Well, we've heard about Snoke in a in a golden suit. A big golden suit for that weird man. Turns out that's fucking true. <laughs> because uh, there's some leaked photos of some Lego playsets where Supreme Leader Snoke, he's wearing a gold suit. Now, are we sure about the leaked Lego photos? Yes. Yeah. Hmm. That's that they're real as hell. Hmm. Don't get realer. Well, I because th- I, I the reason why I ask is because the the supposed Walker Lego Walker things look a little different than the Walkers and the what we've seen leaked otherwise. They look different. There's actually two kinds of Walkers. There's there's um there's two very different designs, but both are uh, both are authentic, and we'll, we'll be linking to them. Um, okay. Yeah. We'll see. So there, there's a, there's a playset that's like a first order Star Destroyer playset, and it comes with this Snoke figure who hangs out on the bridge. So he's gonna be steering his own ship at some point, or in that gold press latinum. <laughs> now, we got stuff to say about Episode Nine. We've got stuff to say about other films. We got stuff to say about comic books. We've got so much stuff to say, but it's already been a long episode. We're not gonna go any longer than we need to be, and we still have the blast doors. So. With that, we'll simply point out that since our last episode, episode 9 has a release date. It's coming out in May, May 24th, 2019. I'm very excited. I don't want any more Christmas releases. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. But we'll see how that goes. Since Han Solo is getting delayed, who knows what's going to happen. Yeah. I mean, I say it's getting delayed. We don't know, but I'm pretty well, sure it's getting delayed. Yeah, let's just see what happens. Yeah. I think it's going to get delayed, folks. Thank you so much for listening. And uh, now we're going to open those blast doors. Open the blast doors. Open the blast doors. Should we upgrade open the blast doors? Let's take this fight to the skies. <laughs> well, since it didn't actually happen in a film, much to our crippling disappointment, no, let's not do that. Oh. But let's instead talk about the space horse. You guys ready? Space horse? <laughs> it's called a a favier or fathier. Sounds better, but it looks like it's a couple... It's a letter away from being father. This horse is called Father. They're race horses. So here's a sequence that has been heavily detailed making Star Wars. It begins in some stables. Finn and Rose are on the run. They're chased by men in luxury speeders. And uh, they're in the Star Wars equivalent of tuxedos or formal wear. Uh, Finn and Rose duck into the stables. And they're, they meet some uh, aliens who tend the stables. There's also jockeys. Space jockeys! I say, well, we got DJ. Is DJ a space jockey? <laughs> There'll be uh, more compelling He's space DJ designated jockey. <laughs> <laughs> There'll be more compelling jockeys than uh, in you know the uh, recent Alien iterations. Mm. So there's that. Um, Won't be hard. <laughs> Finn fast talks the guy. Uh, they steal the uh, the Falvier and uh, race away on it. Then they're engaged in a fight with the speeder. And the uh, fancy Canto Bite bad guys, they defeat the guys, uh, thanks to Rose specifically, and they ride up to a coffee shop or cafe um, to meet a contact. And that coffee shop slash cafe has been described as something out of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, bright colors with uh, space beans that look like candy, a neon Starbucks. Oh, boy. So get excited for theme drinks at the uh, Star Wars Land attraction. Yeah, they're, they're going for the... Uh, <laughs> Weasley Brothers uh, Candy Factory 
prank no. thing, whatever. I, like, I make jokes about merchandising all the time, but I'm pretty sure they're this is yeah, only they're, they're, ju- they're doing it because yeah. it's fucking fun and it'll weird. be like a mall. No, but not a Darth mall. It's fun. It's fun. Can all right, all right. It's fun. So speculated they might be meeting with uh, the unnamed Justin Thoreau character, or uh, maybe DJ. But uh, DJ is—they're pretty sure DJ is in prison at some point, and uh, but he does end up disgraced jockey on the casino set. <laughs> oh, maybe, maybe he used to be a former like Fothier racer. Yeah, something. he was a jockey. Now he's a disgraced jockey. <laughs> DJ. Um, post ship which we see explode in the trailer, is messed up slash non-functioning early in the movie. So he's in the command center taking a leadership role for most of the film. But by the end, his X-Wing is repaired with new engines that makes it even better than it was before. And he's in the final battle. And uh, this is going to bleed over into uh, into nine. Easy to be the best pilot when you got the best ship. I, gotta, I, I if they, they should blow up his X-Wing and be like, oh, you got to fly this piece of shit. You know, like broken down... A wing with like only one engine working. Well, <laughs> and then he was still the best pilot. D- Doug, all I gotta say is you should be reading the uh, Poe Dameron comic. All right, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> and we, we have a rumor for the end of the film. So uh, when this happens, I guess don't be surprised. But it's not. It's not like Han Solo dying. So um, there's a sort of rendezvous thing that happens where Luke effectively says to Ray, "You go after Kylo. I'll go after Snoke." Uh, meet back at my place and the movie ends shortly thereafter. So will we see these battles? Probably. Uh, will someone die? We don't know. Hopefully not. Episode nine, after a chasing, they hide in a toy store. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I will say this about episode nine, and that is that Trevorrow asked uh, Johnson to film something. This is not uh, un- unusual. Uh, Rain Johnson asked J.J. Abrams to include R2 in Ray's journey to Octo so he could use R2 there. Um, but uh, he said that there was one little thing, and it wasn't an adjustment. It was just, could you shoot this one extra thing while you're in this place on this day? And he did, which was great. That's a quote from Colin Trevorrow. So there, there is some... There was there's some little piece of connective tissue that was filmed. It might not be included in the film, but it was filmed that is going to act as some kind of carryover. I figured they brought R two along because Luke's his master. But uh, you know, I mean, uh, you think so at least? Yeah, you, you you would think so. Apparently, that that wasn't necessarily the case. Why would R two? Originally, it was BB eight. Like R <laughs> two? No, no, no. They 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 the the oh. it was it was a swap. Wow. Okay. After R2 was in hibernation for fucking years computing where Master Luke is, he doesn't go find him? That don't make no sense. Well, Well, you know, Leia hugging Rey after Han died. None of it really made much sense. That third act is a mess. (sighs) (laughs) Ah, Well, at least we got R2 on Acto. (laughs) And that's it, folks. We got so much more to say, but we're going to have to save it for later. Thank you so much for joining us on State of the Empire. Taking us out is a track by Palette Swap Ninja. This is from their amazing parody concept record, Princess Leia's Stolen Death Star Plans, where they parody the entirety of Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band from start to finish, telling the full narrative sequence of A New Hope. Uh, So this track is called AA23. 
I think you can probably guess where it takes place. If not, it'll be very apparent quite soon. And uh, we actually did an episode with them where Brandon and I interviewed them about this entire insane over five-year-long writing process to bring this to fruition. So without further ado, here's AA23 by Palette Swap Ninja. We'll see you next time. Now that we've hidden under the floor, what do we do now? Maybe we could overtake the scanning crew. Dress up like some stormtroopers too. Check the computer, Leia is here. We should set her free. Despite Han's objection, let's head to detention. AA23. For the fight, if it's not too weird, say the way the weapons blue. If they're not fooled, just say we're fine. How are you? I might be short as stormtroopers go. belongs to Poe.